show on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning, same time, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights, sister station to Raiders Nation Radio and ESPN Radio Las Vegas. And uh, the we is myself, along with our social media director and uh, my co-host, for lack of a better term, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky. Nobody beats The Wiz. Nobody beats The Wiz. The Wiz has his own theme music, and trust me, if you get to know him and you listen to him, you'll kind of understand why he has earned it. And also joining us in social distancing back in the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp studio, uh, our producer today, Jared Justice. You hear Jared all over the place on uh, Lotus Broadcasting, many shows he produces and helps out, and uh, we appreciate him filling in for Chris Magnum Chapman today, who uh, is uh, in Chicago right now, but was in South Bend for the Indy, or I should say the Notre Dame and uh, UNLV game yesterday, which obviously we'll be talking about shortly. But uh, we are right now coming to you live from the Wisden, also known as Spencer Studio. And that is because for two and a half years now, the pandemic continues to keep us out of the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studios. One day we are praying uh, that that will change one day. I just don't know when that day is. But this show is also streaming on the LV Sports Network, and you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called Out of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. And you follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Out of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp Studio line is 702-876-1340. Use it! Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp. is the company to turn to for all your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp. funding America one neighborhood at a time. And don't forget to ask about the new incredibly discounted payment options on move-in ready Wedgwood homes available right now all over Las Vegas. Call 702-964-5720 for details and to get information on all the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights drop a tough one last night to the Colorado Avalanche, 3-2. to two. We will talk about the game. We'll talk about the problems, if there are any, and what we saw as the game transpired. We'll even hear maybe a little bit from Mark Stone and from Logan Thompson. We'll talk about uh, the UNLV game, of course, uh, in South Bend, their first opportunity. Who knows if there'll ever be another one to play the Fighting Irish in uh, South Bend. What an iconic uh, thing. That's why Magnum took his kid there yesterday. I know looking at a lot of the leg- Las Vegas media, I saw Steve Cofield tweet something out, how awesome the place is. You saw Kenny Main, uh, ex-UNLV quarterback there. Really, really cool. But speaking of the Fighting Irish, um, I've got a bone to pick. Not with them, but with something to do with them. What does that all mean? Stick around and you will find out as we do fact this a little bit later on. Also, we have the Bones, which is our Las Vegas Raiders report. We will talk about the Las Vegas Raiders as they play the Houston Texans today at Allegiant Stadium. Seven-point favorites. Is that good? Is that bad? Well, they've had 13 days to prepare for this game after the loss on Monday night to Kansas City. The controversial loss, we talked a lot about that last week. We'll bring it up again this week. Of course, Major League Baseball, the championship league series uh the world series isn't set yet but after yesterday houston up three nothing um over the yankees and the philadelphia phillies seem to have a stranglehold on the national league championship series against the san diego padres they're up three to one that game the series does move back to san diego for game five but a tough road to haul having to win three straight against the phillies who are just playing lights out baseball right now pitching incredible we'll talk about that as well week seven in the nfl Maybe the most uneventful week as far as matchups go and interest levels go that I've seen in a while. I just don't see one intriguing. We'll touch on that a little bit. Don't forget a little bit later on. We have the pick and parlay with the scooper. So don't put your bets in until the scoop has chimed in. And that is what's on tap. Once again, what's on tap um, is brought to you by a title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. But if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own, choose a company you can trust, Residential Bank Corp. Funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on your home financing options today. Let's right, right to it. Nightcap. 
Hockey players, as you know, are warriors. They don't give up. They come to play every game. It's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the Vegas Golden Knights. From highlights to interviews to special events, the puck starts here. Puck started, uh, and uh, the puck started a little bit over a week ago. It's uh, now six games into the National Hockey League season for the Vegas Golden Knights. And last night, I don't want to say indicative of the season, um, I thought they got off to a slow start. I think Colorado is an exceptionally talented team, missing a couple of key players on both ends. Um, of course, missing their captain, Gabriel Landeskog, who is one of the most proficient players in the National Hockey League, a great complimentary player, a great leader, and sorely this when he's not on the ice for Colorado. So that is a big big loss for them. And yet the Golden Knights uh, had an opportunity. Colorado was coming off a loss the night before back-to-back games on the road. This was a chance for uh, the Vegas Golden Knights to uh, win a game. And uh, Chris Wynn chiming in, of course, no, I was never going to say Logan Thompson, zero to blame. I thought, you know, last night is something you don't see a great deal in this respect, that the Vegas Golden Knights uh, played in a game where I saw five goals scored. Not one goal I felt could have been saved. I think every goal for both teams was pretty legit. And uh, Logan Thompson did say after the game, he felt that he should have probably made the save on the last goal. He talked about after the game in the locker room about the three goals, but he felt the third one he should have saved. I didn't think so. I mean that's that's my job, right? I mean you got to make timely saves. Um, you know he made a good move. He's a he's a very talented hockey player. Um, but you know that my job is to to keep games close and keep us in it. So I think uh, you know, that's one I definitely can have back, and uh, you know I'll be better uh, down the road. How do you stop a goal like that though? Realistically, I mean McKinnon makes an amazing move. It looked like Braden McNabb wasn't. Sorry about that going on a little bit. Um, it wasn't McKinnon who made that last goal. It was actually, he was talking about the goal by Valerie Nechuskin. And this kid, if you saw the last goal, the third goal of the game, he made an amazing move. He went around Braden McNabb like Ma- Braden McNabb was not even there. And, uh, and and I just thought it was it, it was incredible just to watch it from Logan Thompson's standpoint. I don't know how you make the save. The first goal by Nate McKinnon was absolutely a rifle. And if there's a weakness in Logan Thompson's game that I think is being discovered early, and again, yesterday's game was by no means his fault. Uh, there was over, I think, 20 eight block shots yesterday in the game through the second period. It was like 26. Um, just a lot of play in the Vegas Golden Knights end of the ice in their zone. And, and that's going to be a problem. You've got to keep the puck. You know, you've got, you've got to keep the puck out of your zone. You can't play that much time. However, my point is, is that, um, you know, the goals over Logan Thompson, it seems to be up high on the blocker side is where he has a little bit of problem. Now, again, the goals were fantastic, but two of the three goals went there. They were one-timers. They're, they're not beatable, but I think people are saying, hey, if you go up high in the blocker side, you've got a chance to beat him. I'm sure he'll work on that short up. But again, as Chris Wynn chimed in on, there's no way he makes either one, you know, either one of the saves on the one-timers. And the one goal, again, on Nechuskin, that was such a beautiful goal. If you just saw it, we played it on the on the, on the screen. Spencer's going to in a second here. Um you watch him get around. Like I said, Braden McNabb looked like he was he wasn't there. He literally skated around him. It was incredible, and you're seeing the the, the various goals that, that were just just unbelievable. What you saw in this game, I haven't seen that goal yet. If you can get the third goal, Spencer, it's the very last one. It was by Nachuskin, and again, he kind of skates in the zone. He skates around Braden McNabb, and uh, it's it's like the guy wasn't even there. And I think here it is, right here. If you're watching it on video, you'll see this unbelievable goal. I mean, I don't know how you stop that goal, but uh, you heard Logan Thompson say that he should have. What I'm going to say is this. The Golden Knights have got to get out to quicker starts. That is the biggest issue I think that this team is having is just getting out to a quick start and then holding it down and, you know, maintain and play better in the neutral zone, which, which I think they've done this year as opposed to in the past. But you really have got to play better getting the puck into the other zone. And again, 
we've got to see more scoring out of this team. Um, not enough opportunities last night, especially early on. I mean, they were getting out shot like three to four to one. That can't happen. And when I talked to Mark Stone after the game, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play that right now for you. I guess uh, we don't have that queued up. But the whole thing is with when I spoke to him after the game, you know, he kind of felt that they didn't really play bad. He said we played a good third period. Well, what happened is about midway through the third period, the sh- the the line with um, Mark Stone and um, uh, on that line, I think it's Mark Stone, it's Brett Howden, and it's Chandler Stevenson. Stevenson scored the goal, and on that goal, all of a sudden, the Golden Knights got ignited, and they really started playing well and much better, but there was about nine minutes to go in the game at that point, and they just couldn't get the equalizer. They uh, they, they, they made some great efforts. Uh, they, they did not let Colorado get an empty net goal, but moving forward, I think what we need to see from the Golden Knights, again, is a quicker start. I don't think you can blame the goaltending. I think to this point, and it's early on, six games in, but the couple games we've seen in Aiden Hill and the, the games we've seen in Logan Thompson, he has. Uh, they both played, I would say, pretty well and as well as we could have expected them or hoped to this point in the season. Uh, there's competition between the two of them. That probably goes well. And when Lauren Brossois gets back, we're going to see what happens with the mix. Will Aiden, will Aiden Hill move down to Henderson and they'll insert automatically Lauren Brossois the number two goaltender? I'm not so sure about that, especially the way Hill's played so far. Nearly had a shutout the other night. So we'll see what happens moving forward. They've got a couple of games now. It's really kind of tough for them. Back-to-back games, they play at home again tomorrow night against uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and one of the best players in the National Hockey League. The Austin Matthews is as good as it gets. So if you can get out there, you got tickets. I wouldn't advise missing that one. I'm not going to be there, but I would like to. Never, never uh, a dull moment when you see a guy as good as Austin Matthews play this game. He is as good as it gets. Then they've got to go on the road. They go up to San Jose on Tuesday, play the Sharks, come back on Friday. They will play the Anaheim Ducks at T-Mobile Arena. And then again next Sunday, Winnipeg comes to town uh, to play them. And Winnipeg, of course, they, they beat them pretty good up there. And Winnipeg is no slouch, as Chris talked about on the show. So good to be interesting um, what, what goes on going forward, especially with the goaltenders. We talk a lot about that at the games. But again, Vegas Golden Knights need to shore up um, the, the play in the offensive zone. They just, they just need to get there more. And when you see what they can do in the final eight minutes of the game is they played much better then than they did the entire hockey game. They've got to start that from the very beginning. And, uh, and Bruce Cassidy alluded to that. And like I said, I think the guy is a great coach, like him a heck of a lot. And I think he's going to do nothing but uh, but good things for the Vegas Golden Knights. I really do. I think he's the perfect fit right now. Spence, real quick, I'm going to get into the UNLV game yesterday and talk about UNLV going to Notre Dame. Great opportunity. They get to go to South Bend and play the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, you know, the game wasn't overly competitive i'm trying to be kind here uh you know the loss was was big but it was expected i don't think anyone expected them to compete the way they played the last couple of weeks and yet i thought they played better than expected 44 21 i think unlv covered the spread as it was quite large notre dame not the team they've been in the past not the team they expected to be they were ranked in the top 10 to start the season they're three and three uh you know they're happy about yesterday's win i don't think you can be too proud of it i think you know based on the way unlv played the last couple weeks if you're notre dame you think you're really going to whitewash them especially without their number one quarterback quarterback and I've said from day one that Doug Brumfield this team goes as far as Brumfield can take him well when he's not playing what does that say you know they're not going to win it's going to be tough for them put it that way there is a drop-off I understand Cameron Friel was the Mountain West Conference freshman of the year last year but but people I'm telling you that's because he was forced into action and played in eight games and did fairly decent on a, on a, on a bad team that didn't perform but you know without without Doug Brumfield in this game, there was no way offensively UNLV would have been more competitive. I truly believe that defense is defense. What happened was going to happen. They weren't going to win this game with or without Brumfield, but again, with him, they're a more competitive team. And I'll stand by this Doug Brumfield at six foot five, 225 pounds, an agile quarterback that can not only run the ball, but he can make passes. He can hit the three passes for sure. You may need to make it as a collegiate quarterback, and he can even make the fourth pass where you're dropping it in the bucket over the top he's done that 
this guy can play the position. I think it, at, at, as far as college football at the highest level, I think power five conferences, Doug Brumfield would compete for a starting job on a lot of teams in power five conferences. I think he's that good. And am I boasting? We'll see. Is he going to play on Sundays? Come on, man. I'm not saying that yet. He's a, but he's a sophomore, and the kid's got all kind of potential. Congratulations to Tony Tony Sanchez, who did recruit Doug Brumfield, by the way. The kid's great. But as far as this game goes, getting, getting a little bit off subject here, Spencer, this was a tough road to haul for this team. They're missing Doug Brumfield, and they're missing Aiden Robbins, two of their best offensive weapons, man. What can you expect when those two guys are out, especially when you're going on the road to play at – you know, I mean, the pinnacle of college football in history, the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Yeah, I think we just have to look at this realistically. Let's look at any football team in the country. If you take their starting quarterback out, like barring, I don't know, the Dallas Cowboys or something like that, how successful is your team really going to be? So I- I'm not going to say this game wasn't important to me. I mean, I, at the very least, I think it was probably a cool experience for all the kids there. And I think when you're starting to look at the season, you know, and we're in the we're pretty far into the season now, you know, I think this has still been a successful season for UNLV. I mean, you take five years ago, this team plays Notre Dame. It'd probably be like 70 to two or something like that. I mean, it wouldn't even be a matchup that you would even be like conceivable. And now, you know, at least in the very beginning of the game, they competed with the backup quarterback. So, you know, I think we've given a lot of criticism to UNLV uh, football program for a long time. I'm probably like the, the front runner of that. But honestly, the more that I look at it, I'm I'm pretty happy with where this team is at right now. I think that over time, you know, he's going to build this program. It takes a long time, dude. This guy came into maybe one of the worst programs in Division One football, like in the whole country. I mean, what was okay? I'll I'll stop here. Where was the bar when he stepped in as the UNLV football head coach? I mean, what would you label like stepping over the bar is when he first came in? Well, Spencer, I mean, the bar was extremely low. Look at as low as it gets, right? well, Well, I wouldn't say as low as it gets, and here's the reason. Yes, UNLV was bad when he came in. But number one, you're about to play in one of the nicest facilities in the country at any level. Let me finish. Number two, you just had constructed a couple of years ago one of the nicest workout facilities located on campus Mm -hmm. in the country. So you want to talk about the opportunity to recruit. It is Las Vegas. I understand it's a very transient city. I understand the college campus is not a traditional college campus at a D1 university. For God's sakes, for years they're playing out at Sam Boyd Stadium five miles off campus, which made no sense. That's not the case anymore. Allegiant Stadium is close enough to get to. Okay, you can Uber there. It's not that much money from UNLV's campus if you really want to go to a game. You're seeing a game again in a state-of-the-art professional NFL stadium. There is an opportunity to recruit. He did come in, which he didn't even realize, to a top-notch, in my opinion, top-notch opportunity to be a top-notch quarterback at the collegiate level with Doug Runfield was already in place and he was able to keep him here and keep me here again because Doug Brumfield if you're not aware did check out the portal last year and thought about transferring and his teammates are the ones that talked him into staying now the reason I'm saying it this way Spencer is you're saying well you, you think he's going to do a job he's going to build the program I hope so I I, I am impressed with Marcus Arroyo to a degree this year only. However, I'm not going to banter. I'm not giving him any crown yet. Again, his best player was recruited by his predecessor, period. Now, I will say on defense, something I really liked yesterday in a bad loss. Noel Williams, every time they targeted his side, he was there. In, in like through the, through almost the first half, I think he gave up one catch for like four yards. We're not looking at that. I have said this kid is going to get a look on Sundays too. He's skinny. He's got to grow. He's got a couple years left in college. So we'll see how good and what his upside is. And again, people don't misquote me out there. I'm saying a look at the next level. I think he has that kind of ability. We think HK who got hurt yesterday, and I'm interested to see how hurt he was because it didn't look really good. He was really beat, getting beaten up in that game. But there are some players in the defense. There are some talent. There is some talent on the offense. Brunfield, Aiden Robbins, I think we all like him. He's gone. Reese looked decent. You know, Spencer, and they're talking about Reese. The guy had like 170 or 140 yards on like six carries at one point. Um, what, what he finished with is 11 carries at 142 yards on 11 carries. That's almost a 13-yard average. <laughs> Great job. But here's the thing. Twice he broke away. 
And you know what the, the announcers are saying on there? Um, you've got, uh, I'm trying to think of who's an announcer. Chris Collinsworth's kid was doing play-by-play on mm. Peacock. And um, I can't believe, uh, what is his name? The Dallas Cowboys former coach. I just, uh, Oh my God, Jason Garrett. We're doing oh, the, they were doing, he was okay. doing the color of the game. And they're both, they, number one, they talked about Noel Williams. They recognized that and they saw his ability. And number two, they were talking about Reese being a speedster. He got run down from behind both times. I think the second time by a linebacker. So how are you a speedster and a track star? Here he is. And watch him. He gets run down. No, I guess it's a DB, but he gets run down. From behind, not a guy catching him at an angle. A guy ran him down from behind. So I don't know how you call a guy a speedster when a DB is running you down from behind. But still, two big runs. He was a bright spot in the game. I don't want to take anything away from him. Great cutbacks, and it looks like they got a one-two punch when Robbins comes back. I like that, Spencer. That gets me excited. But, you know, Ricky White fumbled a football yesterday. I know that was a tough play not to fumble. He also dropped a couple of passes right in his breadbasket. This is a transfer from Michigan State that we say is the best receiver on this team. That was a little bit disconcerting, although I still like his talent. I think, think still think his skill level is good. Kyle Williams also looked like a brutal knee injury, a guy you can't afford to lose. He went down, and it it, it did not look good uh, real close to the goal line. And, and they, they at first they called a targeting penalty. They took it back. I thought it was an iffy target penalty. I did think he lowered his helmet a bit. Uh, and maybe if you don't call it targeting, it's still helmet-to-helmet contact. They disregarded the penalty. UNLV moved back. They still ended up getting in the end zone, so it worked out good on that drive however um you know i uh i'm not gonna say i'm 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 impressed with you at lv but i'm not gonna say i'm unimpressed i thought that they played this game as well as i i thought would be expected without doug brumfield i'm gonna put it that way i thought this game they could have played maybe a little bit better defensively notre dame maybe not that great of a d1 school notre dame's still pretty good and a lot more talented and really a lot more bigger and what you saw in this game spencer and tell me if i'm wrong the offensive line of notre dame they really dictated the play of this game from the from the opening snap they were just bigger stronger they worked as a cohesive unit they opened up holes they gave their quarterback time and to me the trenches were the difference in the game and that's usually what you're going to see when you see an upper echelon d1 team play a lower echelon d1 team That's what you're going to see. You're going to see a beating. And usually it happens in the trenches because there is a size differential on both sides of the ball. And that was the case in this game. Yeah. And, you know, Notre Dame is one of those blue collar schools. And we're about to talk about the school. But, you know, like Wisconsin, where you kind of have those big offensive lines. But I just wanted to say one more thing about Marcus Arroyo, because I agree with a lot that you said. There's no crowns, right? This still is a below 500 football team. There's there's no winning in that. I mean, there's no, there's nothing good about it. But I will say, take out the COVID year because that, that's just in all the sports. Most people, when they do stats, I don't even you know, put that into their calculations. It was such a weird year. Every year that I've seen them, and they started from ground zero. Trust me, like they started from the absolute bottom. But every single year, I think this team has gotten better, and I think that's really all you can ask for from a football coach. Because if they continue to trend upwards, it means eventually they are going to be a winning football team, which I hope I see in my lifetime. <laughs> well, Spencer, I'll tell you right now, they've got two more wins to become bowl eligible. Looking at this schedule, there are two wins out there for them to get. Uh, it's going to be tough. Don't think going up because because Fresno is not the team they were when they come in here. Don't think that that's an easy game, but I do yeah. think that's a very winnable, winnable. game. Winnable. The game that's going to be tough is San Diego State. And here's why next week, why they could come back here a game under 500, is because San Diego State can play physical. And you you saw in yeah. the Utah State game, mm-hmm. you, well, not so much the Utah State game, they won that game, but you definitely saw in the Air Force game and yeah. you saw in the Wyoming game, you can out physical UNLV and Notre Dame. I don't, I, I disregard it simply because there was such a size differential between the two teams in the trenches as we just talked about. But I really think that if you punch UNLV in the mouth and you keep doing it, that is a way to get this team on their heels and a way to beat them. And, and, and San Diego State fits into that mold. That's a defensive-oriented team that likes to punch people in the face. That doesn't bode well for UNLV next week, especially if Brumfield isn't ready to come yeah, back. I, I always used to joke with you. Uh, you used to have an old promo with Caleb Herring where he said, he, you know, every time you introduced him, you say he was the last quarterback to take UNLV, you know, to a bowl game. I used to joke, no, he's going to be the actual last quarterback to ever take <laughs> UNLV to a bowl game. Oh, Spencer, you're terrible, and I disagree with you. I think Doug Brumfield is a guy that could take him to a bowl game. They've got a sure up some other things they've definitely got 
got to get better on punt co- punt team coverage because that was a problem, the block punt, and they were in the backfield on the punt team most of the game, and I think that uh, that is a problem as well, special teams a little bit. Um, I like Noel Williams as a return man, and they had a good return yesterday as well, but you've got to be able to block for your punter, man. You cannot have him getting abused or having him under duress back there like that. I'm sure they'll work on that this week, but Spencer, I disagree with you. I think UNLV is going to win six games this year now. I really do. I think they'll find a way to get two more wins out of the rest of the schedule. It's going to be tough. Besides who's throwing the rock. Well, Hawaii, Hawaii the rock. is always a tough game when you go to Hawaii simply because it's hard to stay focused. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, and again, Spencer, you talked about recruiting. Uh, he's had all the recruiting opportunity in the world. Going to Ohio State, you get to go play in the horseshoe, and now getting, how about this year alone? getting to go to Notre Dame and getting to go to Hawaii in the same season. That would entice me. If I was going to maybe play at a smaller top True. Uh, top five D1 school or I got a chance to go to UNLV and start and get to start at Notre Dame and start at Hawaii, I might yeah, I might think about uh, going to UNLV and play at Allegiant Stadium, have uh, the Fertitta Center as, as an ability to work out. Yeah, I might consider Notre Dame. The, real quickly, the bright spots, I will say UNLV. Harrison Bailey. I saw some talent there yesterday. Not so much throwing the football, although he did make a couple <laughs> nice throws. But you know what? That kid is hard to bring down, Spencer. Wow, man. A couple of times he got a first down and put himself in the, in the end zone on plays where he had to run through people. Now, that's not going to fare well over the course of time trying to run through people. Josh Allen needs to get that through his head at the at the upper level as well. However, Harrison Bailey looks like he is the backup. To Doug Brunfield. After that game, I say you got to switch orders. Cameron Friel goes down to the number three He's quarterback. Had too many op- I think Cameron's had too many opportunities. I, too. I do too. I don't think he got done. And the other thing that was that that, that I thought um, you know was was a bright spot in the game. You know, overall, in that or that I don't think is a bright spot. It's something that I think it needs to be addressed is you know I've heard a lot about Shelton Z and the third, their tight end, a big kid with all kinds of ability and good soft hands. This kid had one catch again. When are they going to incorporate him into the game plan offensively? Because I'm missing something here. He's big. He's a decent blocker, but he can catch the ball. When you and you see when you've got a big tight end that can catch the ball, look at Notre Dame's. Now this guy's an All-American that's going to be an All-Pro. But I'm saying tight ends can be such an effective weapon. And how cool was it Notre Dame that tight end sweep that they, or excuse me, the tight end sneak that they ran a couple times, once for a first down and once for almost a touchdown yesterday or 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 for excuse me for a touchdown yesterday i absolutely loved it i thought that was really cool and innovative and i think that's something more teams man will be looking at thinking wow maybe we should bring that in although after watching the game and the teams that have to film on that will say hey the minute you see a tight end slide over he's just going to sneak the ball up the middle but i thought it was pretty cool and pretty innovative of notre dame to come up with that but uh again i think those are the couple of things that i saw that i noticed yesterday again harrison bailey that was an obvious one but i do think they need to get the tight end more involved in the passing game and now with Kyle Williams I think is going to be out for the rest of the season that looked like a pretty bad knee injury he could not put any weight on it leaving the field my guess is he's gone start utilizing the tight end a little bit more but the key to to UNLV and and I'll state this right now Spencer they'll win six games this year and be bowl eligible if Doug Brunfield comes back and starts playing immediately San Diego State I don't think they win that game but I think they have a chance with Doug Brunfield. Without him, no way. All right, we'll leave that alone. Get to what we want to get to today, Spence. Facts this. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact this. Fact that over the past decade, professional and college teams' names have been changing on a fairly consistent basis. And this is because the team names are considered either defensive or discriminatory or both. This, in my opinion, is damaging the history of sports. It is over the top. It is over the top is what I wanted to say when it comes to sensitivity. And it's over the top to a fault. And if we are going to continue to censor college teams' nicknames based on what some consider discriminatory, then when are we going to include the holy grail of college football, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish? 
Spencer, it's a slippery slope and a touchy subject. And we talked about it yesterday. I talked about it with a few people at the game last night. Chris Wynn, Brian Shapiro, Jesse uh, Merrick. I, I spoke to a couple people, and I, I spoke to a good friend of mine. As a matter of fact, I want to see if he chimed in yet because he will be on the show one of the next couple weeks if he hasn't yet. And uh, he did chime, chime in. And I asked him to listen. I sent him a message this morning. My One of my best friends in the world, his name's Pete Kerplevich. He played at Notre Dame under Lou Holtz. Honorable mention All-American. Also played for the Detroit Lions for a couple of years and got cut by the Raiders. Big touchdown on Monday Night Football, but a very good friend of mine that I met when I was working at the Detroit Lions radio network. And Pete was Notre Dame and extremely proud of going to Notre Dame. As a matter of fact, his mother came over from Poland years ago. He was first generation born in the United States in his family. I was one of the very few people that could spell his last name. It's Kraplevich. It took up the whole back of his jersey. But, you know, I, and I thought, you know, just asking him, what do you think of the moniker, the team name, the fighting Irish. Look at the logo, people. It is a leprechaun fighting. Is that discriminatory? Would you say that that would be discriminatory? I'd like to know. You can give us a call at uh, 702-876-1340 if you want to chime in. I'll have I'll have Jared Justice put you on the air. If, if you've got an opinion about it, I'll, I'll talk to you. But I want to know, man, is it discriminating? Look at him. You had, since you were a little, have you not heard the moniker Irish people? What, what have you heard? What, what do we hear? What, what are the stereotypes? They drink too much? I'm not, Now, again, people, I'm saying stereotypes that I've heard that I grew up hearing. No, this is true. They like to fight. They're leprechauns. Look at the logo of the fighting Irish. That's not offensive. If you're an Irish, a peaceful Irish person, does that bother you? The fighting Irish. Well, it bothered people in North Dakota because they were called the Fighting Sioux. They didn't want to be called the Fighting Sioux, and actually they did. The Sioux Nation had no problem with the name. Read, check out the history of the Fighting Sioux in North Dakota. They're now the Fighting Hawks. Problem? I don't know. Should it bother us? I don't know. Here's what Pete had to say. I'll tell you right now. He said, my opinion is this. Those teams' names are a reflection of who are who we are as a nation, and it honors our historical past and traditions of Native Americans. No country, especially the USA, is what it is without historical events, and I feel getting rid of these names is taking away a long and rich history of our country and those people that helped form who we are today. It is true that the Native Americans suffered, but also endured, and th- that is why we should keep the names to honor everything about the Native American nation. That's what he was saying when I said to him, you know, the Indians are now the guardians. The Redskins are the uh, commanders. I'm not disagreeing with that one, and I'll tell you why. The Seminoles soon will have a new name, I believe. They're talking about the Atlanta Braves. A brave. What is a brave? The Kansas City Chiefs? They have a, the, a Native American uh, logo. Thing. And, 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 and a Native uh, Tomahawk, the Chicago yeah. Blackhawks? Yeah, I mean, when where does it end? Okay, and, and my point is, Spencer, is this, and I'm not in any way. You want to chastise? Want to call up and, and and yell? Please, by all means, talk to me. I'm not saying it. People, these names were never meant to be derogatory. They weren't meant to be discriminatory. They were meant to be team names. We're turning sports. We're we're bringing politics into sports and race into sports. Is there any more diversity than American sports? I'll bet you between the four professional sports, every country in this world is recognized in some way, shape, or form. Some people, every, because you're allowed in. If you're good enough to play, as long as the country you're from allows you to play in America, you can play these sports. They find you all over the place. There's a guy named Manute Bull from Sudan years ago. God rest his soul. How did they find him? How did he get to play in the NBA? It is diverse. All sports are. Don't you understand that right now, the one thing that's pure in sport, and, and believe me, I, I understand when I say the word pure, uh, I, 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 it's, it, it, you know, give me some gray area on that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is the purity of sports right now with social media, with mass communication, I love the, the, how fast technology is, but we're not communicating anymore, people. We don't talk. You go to a store, you look at two people out on a date, they're texting other people. Sports is the one thing that makes children get together, put their cell phones away because you can't take them in the outfield with you. You can't take them in the huddle with you. 
Sports is the one thing where we have to interact with people to achieve a common goal. That's what sports is about. Working together to achieve a common goal. That's what we teach our children. And now all of a sudden, names of teams are a problem. Names of teams that are traditional. I don't think the Fighting Irish should change their name. But for God's sakes, if you're going to change the name of the Atlanta Braves, the Fighting Sioux of North Dakota, then change the name of the Fighting Irish and give them a new logo. They, they, they chastised the logo of UNLV, Spencer, because it was a rebel depicting the South. What does this logo at Notre Dame depict? An Irishman, a little, a little leprechaun fighting? I have some great Irish friends. Number one, they're not little, they're not leprechauns, and they're very peaceful, good guys. I won't say they drink any more than some of my other friends. It's a stereotype. So the point is, is and I'm going to let you chime in because we talked about it yesterday. And the one thing you said, Spencer, is when we talked about it, is changing the names of these teams going to make the world a better place? Because if not, why are you screwing with history? Why are you screwing with tradition? As a little boy, at 10 years old, I played for the Indians in Little League in, in West Bloomfield, Michigan. I love that team. I love the uniform. I was so proud to put it on. I wasn't thinking of any stereotype or moniker. I was proud. And again, that can be offensive. Indians, but Irish. I, I asked Pete, and we're going to talk about this, and, and how offensive. I said, would you be okay if they were the fighting Poles? He's, he's Polish. Would they be okay with that? The fighting Jews? I'm Jewish. I can say it. Spencer, you're Jew. Would you be okay with that? I mean, the point is, is I, I like it. It's tradition. It's history. Where does this end and when does it stop, Spencer? Well, I, I, okay. I agree with you that it can be, it definitely can be a slippery slope. Like where does it end? But I don't know. I, I think Native Americans are a very special case because you talked about how much they suffered, but like <laughs> they suffered because of us. I mean, we literally came to this land and conquered it and, and nearly committed a genocide either through killing taking land or disease spread through Europe. Agree 100%, but so what does it have see, to do with sports? Yes, but when you see the Indians logo and you see a cartoonish, literally a cartoonish Indian man, I mean, I can imagine that that's a little offensive because, you know, when you look at the Fighting Irish, we don't really have a lot of history with the Irish. But, I mean, it's like we conquered them. And you know, we we you know, conquered them, and then we put their logos up on our multi-billion dollar sports teams. I can see how that's a problem. I'm not saying it is. The logo, I definitely think, is. But if you want to be called after like Native American tribes, I mean, that's up for debate. I don't really have too strong of an opinion either way on that. But when I see a logo like that, like, yeah, like that's a little offensive, I feel like, at least for me, the, for the Indians logo specifically. Then change the logo. They, they wanted it to do it at UNLV. Change the logo. Why the name of the it, team? It, but you have to admit, it's that a little, is, for Indians, listen, it's a little know, bit of a weird outlook. A little bit. That, you want to know what made what made the most sense of all the teams that ever changed their names? In my opinion, I understand the Redskins. We don't need to go there. That's a that's a a direct satire on, on a name. I, I yeah. get that. Okay, I'm not. I I just thought they should have stuck with the Washington Football Team. The Commander sounds like a USFL team, and this is the NFL, not the USFL. But that's my opinion. But here's here's the the one that made the most sense to me was when they got rid of the Washington Bullets. You don't have a nickname. Bullets when you're like kind of you're the number one city in the country for murders. They were in Washington, D.C. for a little bit right up there with Detroit, the yeah. murder capital mm -hmm. of our country. So I understood, hey, we're going to watch the bullets tonight. Well, you know, you're in Washington. And if you don't know sports and you don't know what the, that'd be like, what do you mean? So, I mean, that's kind of ridiculous, but I did get that from day one. I like the name. I think it's a great team name. It says speedy and strong and powerful and and, uh, you know, and lethal. So I like the name Bullets, but it, it didn't fit Washington at that point in time. But that made sense to me to change the name. Changing the name of the Atlanta Braves, Spencer, changing the name of the Kansas City Chiefs, changing the name of, you know, of the Fighting Sioux of North Dakota. Why? Why? Well, uh, the one thing I, I will say about this subject is that hit, the sports do have a lot of history, and it means a lot to Americans. It's, it's ingrained in American culture, like it is in a lot of countries, but, you know, especially in the United States where people have, like, their childhoods are tied together with their favorite sports team. So I can understand 
a lot of people's perspective on why they're so upset on this because it's not just about the sports team. It's about all the memories that encompassed it. You know, watching your favorite the team logos, win a Super Bowl. The gear you've bought in over the years. What about all the all the Washington players, the Cleveland players that are in the Hall of Fame? They're in the Hall. What are they? Did they change the the bus of these players because underneath them it says the team they played for? Do they change the buses now to get rid of that name? So, it, so it's erased from history. Like I said, I'm going off on it because, again, let's get back on track and we'll get off the subject because I'm going to have other people talking about it yeah. in the future that, 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 that have more skin in the game. But the Notre Dame fighting Irish, that's what I'm saying. I agree. How are they not being attacked in any way, shape, or form? And I'm going to say one thing. Is it because Irish people are white for the most part? I mean, I'm just being straight up. Is that is that why they're not being attacked? Because, well, it's not really racist because, are you kidding me? They've been scrutinized. Talk, go look at history, Spencer. They've had their plenty. Uh, they have had their share the, of yeah, tyranny. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, so, so again, they're monikered as fighting people that are leprechauns. I, I'm sorry, man. I, I, I don't get it. I don't think it should be changed because I don't think it was ever meant to be offensive. And I think Irish people are actually pri- have pride and take pride in Notre Dame. But what if you're not Irish? Are all the players on Notre Dame Irish? I don't think so, Spencer. Okay, so again, I just think, again, that is my point is ridiculousness. Sorry, I, did I steal something? I, I stole the name of a television yeah, be show. careful there. Be careful yeah, there. I, I get my copyright there. <laughs> but, but it's ridiculous. And, and at some point in time, the sensitivity has got to be, has got to be curtailed. It's got to be. And it, as, just as it does in the National Football League for quarterbacks, that I'm already at the point in five years, they're all going to be wearing flags, for God's sakes. Your quarterback's either going to have a red jersey on just like he does in practice or he's going to be wearing a flag so to pull it. I mean, some changes need to stop. Football is a violent game, and I love the fact that they've called attention to CTE and head injuries. Yes, that should have been addressed a long time ago, and now that we have a lot of data on it, they're trying to make equipment more, uh, you know, more safer. Uh, they're, putting, they're putting monitors and helmets, chips, so you can gauge on a real, a real nasty hit. But the point is, come on, man. You, when you sign up to play football, very few people get through a career without getting hurt. That's part of this game. As a matter of fact, in most sports, you don't get through a career without getting injured. That is part of sports. But sports at its purest at the youngest levels. Why are we teaching them this? We're changing names and everything. What, to make it different? I'm sorry. You want to come in, you want to call me a racist? Anybody that knows me out there, anybody that knows me. Spencer, you've known me for four years now. I'd be probably one of the last people you'd ever hang that moniker on. But this is ridiculous. Sensitivity to a fault. You know, the, the last thing I want to say about this, and, and you make a really great point. You know what I wish they would change? The treatment of Native Americans. I mean, we've even to this point yeah, in history, I'll, I'll even to this that. point in history, we have thrown them into casinos and destroyed their culture. You know what I wish would change? Our treatment of them and maybe helping preserve their history versus just giving them gambling sites, you know, to live on. Uh, Spencer, that, that, uh, that I'll agree with you all day long. We're going we're gonna to be on the same bandwagon there. There's a lot of things that can change for a lot of different races and cultures. Like real changes. Yes, real changes. <laughs> Not still logos. all over. And I'm agreeing with this. Yeah. But this is going too far. Somebody let me know how this is going to benefit the greater good of mankind, changing these names over time. I've got an idea. I'm not going to give it to you, though. I'm not going to give you an out. But I just would love to hear somebody give me a good argument as to what makes this so beneficial. Because the bottom line is people are going to be people. But none of this, I believe, in my opinion, was ever in any sense discriminatory or derogatory when these names came up. They were simply team names that made sense to the people that came up with the names at that time. And maybe I'm wrong. If I'm wrong, give me some data. Show me somewhere that I'm wrong. And also show me somewhere how this give me some statistics, something where this is going to be for the greater good of mankind in the long run. And I'll I'll be okay with that. Spence, we got to move on. Let's get to the bones, man. You know, the Raiders. 13 days since their last game, uh, you know, they played on the road in Kansas City, a game that I felt was the best game I've seen them play this year, maybe in a couple of years at times. You know, they, of course, they gave away a big lead, but what an incredible start they had to that game. But, you know, we already talked about it. We beat that horse into the glue factory last week about what I think was an absolutely coaching blunder by Josh McDaniels. You know, a, a chance to tie the game on the road with the momentum. Like I said, with 40 seconds to go in the game, I get it. Four minutes to go in the game with maybe the pro, at least the, the, the second most prolific offense in the National Football League in the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you kidding me? You're going to give them four and a half minutes and think a one-point lead if you get the two points is going to hold up. 
You want to make it odd numbers against them? What are you doing? Kick the field goal. We're done with that conversation. But one of the things that happened after the game, Devontae Adams pushed an assistant to a cameraman at his first game. The guy, the kid's a kid, a college student, when it turns out after all. Now, we all think that it was accentuated, and, you know, people will say the kid wants to get money. When None of that matters. The point is, Devontae could have handled it differently. You've heard nothing about how good his character is from everyone afterwards. So I'm going to say, okay, I'll believe that that that's out of character. He was very upset after the game, as I would have been if I was a Raider player, probably pretty upset with the coaching staff for giving this game away. But it doesn't give you the right to push someone out of your way. You slide them out of your way, say, bro, what are you doing jumping in my way? The, the kid wasn't looking. He didn't blatantly look at Don. He was running after doing his job. And to this point, nothing's happened. To this point, Devontae Adams is playing in today's game. There's been no fine assess. There's been nothing. Now there's going to be something. The NFL's had a lot of time to think about it. Quietly, it's kind of stopped being discussed. I haven't heard anything about it in about a week. What do you think, Spencer? Is something going to happen, or are they just going to completely slide this under the rug? I, I think what they said is they're going to wait till after legal proceedings are done, and they're kind of taking the, the step-back approach. The kid's going to get sued. I mean, Devontae's going to lose hundred grand. plus. And I hope the stadium picks up the bill, because that's on security for letting that kid be there. I mean, it's less on Devontae. Yeah, Adams. We, we talked about that. Yeah. But uh, we talked about this after the show uh, last week when it came up, and this guy cannot be suspended. We talked about Alvin Kamara. He, he's in a legal battle right now because he, he beat the heck out of some guy in Las Vegas. I mean, there's pictures of it. I showed it to you, and you can look it up. I don't think I can show it on this broadcast. It's pretty, it's pretty gross. You can show it. This guy got – Alvin Kamara is, was suited up week one. He was hurt at the beginning of the season, but he saw no punishment for that. You want to go back far, far, far. The, the Giants kicker who beat his wife, he suited up on Sunday. Compare that to Devontae Adams – seconds after a devastating loss where a call that a catch that he made got called back that would have put them in field goal range i mean he pushed him he did it was inappropriate action but man how sensitive is our country when you push someone and, and suddenly the actions are like oh you know you got to suspend this guy deshaun watson created a legalized sexual assault ring he tried to he got what eight games of suspension so compare that to Devontae Adams no, pushing a guy who's supposed to be saying. where he's not. A fine is fine. If you want to find the guy that's for inappropriate action, yes. Suspending him would be so extremely okay. out of pocket for the NFL to do. Okay, and, and, and I'm I'm kind of on the fence either way. I'm not disagreeing with you. You made some really good points. I just think you don't open Pandora's box. Like I said, a kid runs on the field like it happened in San Diego. Yeah, tackle him. Don't go down the field. Show them that there's going to be payment. You're going to get repercussions. You're not allowed to be on the field, and your ticket stub tells you that. But – when you're in the tunnel, ah, I, I'm torn, Spencer. Yes, I think he definitely needs to find. I think you've got you can't open Pandora's box and make anything like that okay. As I thought, you know, the, the, the he same knows way. it's not. The players know it's not okay. I don't think everyone's like, okay, now I can start pushing. No, I, I know that, and that's why I said you made a really good point. You still got to find him though. You got to find him, and you know, I guess waiting for legal proceedings is fine. Um, overall, Raiders. Uh, uh, minus seven today at home against the Houston Texans. This is a game by all practical purposes. The Raiders should win, even though the Texans have a little bit better record. They're one, three and one where the Raiders are one and four. But um, what do you think of this game and who wins and why? This is actually my best bet. I'm going for a three game best bet winning streak. I do a football show uh, on Saturdays. So I, this is my best bet. Look, here's the reality. The paper says that these teams are even because of their records. These teams are not even. We say it like they're, I came into the season, I said this is a seven or eight win, eight win team, and they're going to finish the season with seven or eight wins. So why should I be upset that they're going to win 78? This is a much better team than the Texans. They are going to blow them out of the water, at least I think so. Look, they got better receivers, they got a better defense, everything is better. Maybe you have an even battle because they got a great rookie in Pierce for the Texans. Other than that, everything points towards the Raiders. They're going to start winning off some wins. Every single team they played before the bye week was a playoff team, other than the Broncos, who we thought they would be what they didn't. But that was their win, right? The, the first time they played a non-playoff team, they got a win. They're going to win today. All right, Spencer, I actually am right there with you. I think everything you said is accurate, and I will say this. I think the Raiders, I mean, look at the way they played the Chiefs. Uh, you got to be a decent team to battle the Chiefs like that on the road, no matter who you are. And I, I think the Raiders, I think they win by double digits today. That's my opinion against the Texans. I think they come out, they're going to be salty. They've been questioned, and they're going to play well. As far as the games today, we're going to bring in the scoop here in a second uh, to talk about uh, today's pick and parlay. But right, real quickly before that, I, I just want to say, man, has there been a bigger stinker 
in uh, as far as weeks go in matchups, Spencer. You know the best matchup to me. Totally agree. The, the best matchup to me of the day might be the Falcons at the Bengals, or maybe the Seahawks at the Chargers. It's the, it's the Chiefs in uh, in Forty Niners. Well, that was a Super Bowl that's rematch. what that's what people are saying. It's but like I agree with you on, on the Bengals. I'm game. not. I, you know the the Forty Niners look like garbage last week. They just traded I, for Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, that's that's a good point that I did not think about. You're right. The Niners got Christian McCaffrey, so that would be the game of the day. But I. I am, this is a bad week for the schedule. I'm glad I'm going to the uh, I'm glad I'm going to the Raiders game today because uh, there's just not a game and see Wednesday and the Lions and the Cowboys. Dak Prescott ba- coming back. Um, lucky for the Lions, I guess that uh, the game. Well, the game's in 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 Dallas, so people at home don't have to see this. What's going to happen, to the Lions? But this is going to be a very ugly game for the Detroit Lions, in my opinion. Dak Prescott has to show everyone uh, that he's the starting quarterback, even though Cooper Rush hasn't looked great. They won the majority of the games he played with them. So uh, people, the, the Dallas Dak feels a little bit of pressure to come back and play well. All right, let's bring in the scooper. Uh, we got quickly scooper. Let's let's get this pick and parlay, man. We got to get people out there to the betting stations. Good morning, sir. I'm coming to you from uh, IMR Float. About to do the cold plunge. You're welcome to join me here soon. Let's hop into it. Uh, gonna hope hop out with the uh, hometown team, Cincinnati Bengals, going up against Atlanta Falcons. This uh, Atlanta team dead last and a lot of press pass rush pressure uh, rates, and they're just really struggling to get after the quarterback. And teams like that have given Cincinnati issues. You've seen it. Uh, they really get pressure on Burrow, make that offensive line. They had some continuity issues early in the season, have some uh, problems. Now that this new group's starting to play together, um, when Burrow's got time to throw, when you got guys like Chase, it, it's almost like stealing on third down. So I think this Cincinnati team's going to be able to separate home crowd coming off a big win against New Orleans. Just a tough matchup for the uh, Falcons. 6-0 and against the spread. Got to come back down to life. Um, the back door could be open, and that's where uh, – I will put out the uh, Cincinnati as minus six and a half is the best bet. But um, I do have a lot of teasers this weekend. So this week's going to be a big teaser week for me, moving the game six points. So Dallas and uh, Cincinnati's a teaser. Um, New England's a big teaser. We got teaser one teaser. Pick and parlay. We got to do one. One pick, just, one parlay. What's our parlay? The, the pick is Cincinnati minus six and a half. Just giving the audience some, some teaser advice here. And then as the parlay, I'll give you some sides I'm on. This is going to be a money line parlay, five-teamer. We're going to go with Jacksonville to uh, end this little giant run. Uh, Cincinnati to uh, get the W. Uh, Prescott to come in and prove that uh, he is the one. And uh, he's going to put up some numbers today. Dallas gets the W. Baltimore, bounce back win against Cleveland. And then uh, Monday night, we'll cap it off with New England with a win over Chicago. So those are all money lines. Five-team money line parlay. It pays right about six and a half to one. 